Crossings was recorded on the unceded sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. EWF pays our respects to Wurundjeri elders, past and present, and to the elders of all lands that this podcast reaches. You're listening to Crossings, the EWF in Conversation podcast. My name is Jess, and I'm the program coordinator of the Emerging Writers Festival. Today's conversation is between Miss Bullwolf and Rebecca Kelly. Miss Bullwolf is a Nam based poet who is a hybrid artist, combining music, poetry, performance, and art. Their first book was Rooftops in Karachi. Her new book, Carapace, was published by Vega Bond Press in 2022. Rebecca Kelly is a poet from the waters of Dukin Jung country, currently situated on Wurundjeri country. Presently, her work is fueled by questions of class, being, identity, and psyche. Nisbah and Rebecca met for the first time for this conversation. They spoke about the spiritual, musical, and thematic influences within their poetry, and the idiosyncratic patterns and processes of their practices. Enjoy the conversation. I was um, saying how I read... Kintsugi illuminated your poem in Cordite mm-hmm. and how like it had like that depth and the darkness to it but also like that musicality in it that mm-hmm. I just really like what really draws me to those kinds of poems it's like and seeing if you have like a separate self your music self and your poetic literary self mm-hmm. or are you like me and it all kind of comes from the same place the same spirit self almost thank you for saying that about that poem because it was actually a poem written for my beloved willow who passed my dog and that was me trying to come to terms with language and death and the unfathomable the ineffable the mysterious and that when someone dies that you just, is everything. Where does all the love go? Where does it go? And Buddhists have this idea of the crack because the Kuntsugi cracks in porcelain are filled in with uh, gold. When anything's broken, it's filled in with mm. gold. And I was thinking of the crack in the head and that there's this idea that the soul leaves through the top of the head. But yeah, the musicality thing, def- definitely. Mm. Everything is really music. Every- Every poem is actually music and all my poems in Carapace have been set to music. I've recorded music with every poem and it's interesting because I was reading your work as well. You have something too which feels very like your, your poems feel like songs. I recognise this. I recognise the, the aspect of someone who's musical in the way you've written your poems and the kitchen and I felt like reading your work I feel like I go down this rabbit hole, the mm. way that you describe. And you also repeat things too, words are repeated. Imagine, imagine it. Like in your poetry, you use that technique. And it's almost like an incantation. But mm. It's quite spell-like. Does that mean? Yeah, I've gotten, definitely I've gotten the, the phrase down a hole before with stuff I've written. Mm. Probably because it's how it feels for me, like I'm very much a in-a-day kind of poet like Mm. write it it comes from a place and I don't know where it comes from but it's I don't really treat it the way like I'm not 
hammering away at a poem. Well, I yeah. I will edit, but not super heavily. Like it just sort of will mm-hmm. come from that musical place, whether it's fueled by like, you know, tidbits of rage or <laughs> whatever's mm-hmm. going on in the subconscious. But I think that informs how I write is that like that almost musical urge. Because mm. you're a musician too. so Yeah, and it just sort of, I don't know, I think it all comes from the same place. Yeah. But I don't know if you feel that way with prose as much because I, I, I'm personally like, I think I'm more, I'm writing more poetry. I mean, I never thought I would be mm. a poet, mm. <laughs> but it just makes so much sense to me now in its expression, I suppose. It's similarity to like a musical mind. Do you feel that way with prose? I Well, I'm writing this book at the moment that's been um, a, a work in progress, but it's really my first attempt to write a book that doesn't exist, but is like, I kind of think of it as the bastard child of like all my favourite writers that have come together and created. This is going to sound strange, but I don't necessarily enjoy writing fiction. I enjoy writing poetry, but I don't. I'm going to be really honest. I'm not someone who, oh my God, I'm writing a book. I love writing. (laughs) When I write fiction, it's a real, I call it, I literally, I think I've described it as nailing my hands to the keyboard until it happens. Like it's, it's not pleasurable, but it is pleasurable. Mm. It's a weird, it's like a pain pleasure. Whereas music is to me just joyful and prose poetry is, I just write it and it spills out. Sometimes I edit. Mm. Editing is, it can be good, but sometimes first thought, best thought is often the way it feels. And I feel like I channel. Like I'm not present with all my work. I'm really just this, I'm just this, I don't know who this is. This is just this being. Mm. Like I really feel that way most of the time. Yeah, like acting like a sort of like a portal between this expression self and the art. Yeah. And then you're just, yeah, you're just there for the ride. I'm just there for the ride and I'm just... Yeah, talking about your talking about process. It's probably more where I'm at as opposed to talking about my work. Yeah. Because I once it's out of me, it's in the world and I'm not I don't feel the need to like protect it. It's just there, it's coming out and some of it's beautiful and some of it's ugly and some of it's great and some of it's just some of it learning the process like what do other people do because it's such a solitary practice a lot like writing for me is very solitary it's i'm surrounded by ghosts and the dead and they're they're with me on the periphery and i feel them i feel like i feel all of the my favorite writers are dead writers you know like they, they just unfortunately i would love to have spoken to them in while they were alive which ones are you thinking of right angela now? carter i just adore Chekhov. i knew and he's controversial. I have had several dreams. Like I'm kind of, when William Burroughs died, I had a very strange dream when I was really young. The night before he died, he, I was actually in his apartment in New York and I was with a partner at the time. And in the dream, Ginsburg was there, but Ginsburg had actually died a year before Burroughs, but Ginsburg appeared as a ghost. And uh, dreams are usually really annoying to recall, but this one was quite amazing because Burroughs I took the photo of Burroughs and the friend and Ginsburg appeared in the background as this ghost hovering and Burroughs said to me, come on now, just take the photo because we can't all live forever. And then I woke up and the news was that William Burroughs had died and I had the same experience with my other favourite writer, J.G. Ballard, and I remember just crying. Like I had a dream that he died and then the next day mm. he died. So it's, we, and it's like, a, and they, they do happen to be, men and they're white and 
I'm from, you know, um, mixed ethnic background, but I just, I can't help it. Who I like is who I like, mm. who I'm drawn to. That's funny. I was actually just thinking about, like you mentioned Ginsburg in your dream. I was just thinking about this quote he said like last night where he's like, I write poetry because I want to be alone and I want to talk to people. I love that quote. And it sort of reminds me of like, you're saying it's such a solitary thing and it's, it is, but it's also, it's so social, it's so natural, it's so communal, it's so mm. human to mm. want to connect with people and share like something coming from you that you don't know how to give but then I think with the fiction writing solitary Mm. it's like yeah it feels like you're hammering away it feels like oh Mm. I can talk about this or I can express this to my peers or to teachers but with poetry it's it's so private Mm. and so I think that's why Mm. you and I probably prefer talking about the process yeah the work kind of speaks for itself most of the time it's really hard when you're writing applications for grants and you have to talk about the work and what the work's purpose is. And I feel like there's magic and alchemy happening on a other level we don't have access to with creative. Like this is something very powerful happening that I'm required to put into, I'm required to push through hoops to make people understand it. But it seems counterintuitive to what it actually the whole point is to, here's my work and you interpret it and you might see yourself in it or... But when you, Mm. like with the fiction, I was thinking about uh, why I love writing. Actually, why why I'm writing this is because I get to live out all my parallel lives. In fact, the book I'm writing is about parallel lives and it traces past lives. It's a woman suffering from a mental health breakdown and it's fiction, but I can only explore so many lives in one lifetime. That's why I love poetry because I get to experience the vastness and depth of all these other strange creatures I'm bumping into that have jeweled hearts I can't see because they're wearing clothes or because they they have masks on. But the poetry is the jewel, you know. Mm. I think that's what art is. Yeah, and I've really been enjoying just seeing what poems of mine are received best, I suppose, Mm. by, like, other people. Like, I always feel like I write for women or something. I don't want to think that way, but I feel like women love (laughs) Mm. my poetry. I think I can express this ugliness a lot. And I think like the art gives itself, it's giving permission to not have to perform and not Mm. have to wear a mask. And it's a very beautiful thing when it's received well, because it's like you're... Mm. Your ugly self is... Your monstrous self. Yeah. Um, Received and loved and... Yeah. Seen and felt. And then, like, taking that as as information, but then also continuing to write what is still authentic and real. It's a tricky line sometimes between knowing you have an audience and what they want. Sometimes I've had that. I've had that struggle in the past. Like, you know, like... um just with the the solitary practice, but also communal sometimes. I have this being that's here as I'm writing. It's not necessarily myself, but it's maybe the critical eye or the... It could be patriarchy. It's often like I have to banish it because sometimes it's like I'm filtering it and I'm still trying to work through that to be like a pure channel, like Mm. of channeling it without... People say they like when they react to work, 
And I go, I love this poem or I love that song. And often it's not what I expect. Mm. Yeah, recently I did these shows for the Finks and we had some poets as, um, what's the word? Support. Support And I supported one of our shows that we did and I thought it'd be fun to get our friend Chris, who um, also does, his other music project is at Seagull. Um, I thought it'd be fun to get him to read one of my poems instead of me. And I think because I was speaking to him how I have a bit of a funny relationship with the word beautiful, people describing, he'll be like, I love that poem, Beck, it's so beautiful. Mm. And it's like, I don't always feel weird about it because I don't know if it is beauty. Is it because the word cancels out all the other complexities? I think I'm aware of just maybe being like, you know, a young girl in the in this writing community or feeling like I need to be, like trying to take who I am and perform it to people. But then also like, it's interesting to see, to see Chris, who's like, you know, 35 year old man, read it and mm. just the different reactions from the audience on certain lines and maybe how did that make you feel was oh it's just it was just so fascinating like it didn't make me feel did you want him to stop or did you want to keep going I I love seeing other people read my stuff and Mm. and hear it from different voices it's just it gives it a a different feeling of course but Mm. yeah I think it's interesting to do that and you can see like how it can feel to a certain person like if I was to read it someone might be like oh that's so beautiful but if someone else like Chris were to read it might be like, oh, wow, that's that's funny or like maybe the joke was received or like mm. maybe, I don't know, it's, it's a fun thing to play with it is. And, and for me to consider. I love I love it when people read my work out. I'm free. Like I feel free. <laughs> Someone's performing my work. I'm free to disappear back into the Shadowlands and knit, you know, like it's mm. like I can watch and pee. I just, that's something very freeing that someone also would take their time and have an acute interest in wanting to read my work and Mm. they obviously have some connection and that's because you were talking about connection before with with poetry and community and I think yeah I've had that experience people reading my poems in fact when I launched my book Carapace I actually wanted everyone just to read my poetry and I didn't want to read it I just wanted other people to read my poetry but yeah do you do you have any other sort of creative avenues that you think are helping with your writing process? Like, you know, for example, I do like dance (laughs) every week and I feel like that's really helps sort of filter out other creative stagnant energy or um, completely clear the channel and sort of come at writing from a different lens with that musicality. And Mm. yeah, I feel like, I don't know, it was like, I mean, Einstein, he would just like play the violin whenever he couldn't figure out a math problem. Um, And that makes so much sense to me. Yeah, the dance makes sense. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm obsessed with the gym. But let me be really clear, I was not someone who was obsessed with it. And what I'm obsessed with is weightlifting. Mm. And the reason I'm obsessed with weights is because I usually feel like I'm floating very far above. So for me, it's about grounding in. So when I'm using weights and I I love feeling the tension and the pull and it just feels so good to feel like you can, you know, the micro tearing of muscles and 
there's something very, I feel like I tap into some Amazonian part of myself because I've had such a journey trying to be in my body. Mm-hmm. And I think dance offers that as well. Like it's being in my body on this planet and enjoying it can be such a tumultuous, fraught experience. Um, but I think reading, and I know that's, but to me, that's a really like, like I'm obsessive, like I would rather stay at home and read than most other things. Like I mm. read, I'm so obsessive. I probably read three or four books a week. Like I, and I will find the time. I will, I will forgo social engagements. I will forgo eat, going and getting groceries. So I have to balance it because I need to move my body. Like, so that's why like I go to the gym. And I wish that someone had told me that earlier on when I was like 16, 17 to just do physical things like yeah. to balance because like the shift. body and mind are the same thing and it's such an important thing to know with the process of like allowing those seasons mm. and not restricting yourself when you're like I have nothing to say but that's okay because this is the season of reading the season of, of the witch <laughs> The season of the witch, the season of dance, the season of lifting weights, you know. And then through moving that energy, a poem might come faster, a a song, like it's just like... It's such an important aspect of process. I really just think physical movement, like dance and not... yeah, not necessarily sitting, writing and painting or making it physically moving, you know, like it just feels like the right thing to do while I'm on the planet to just... So I totally get dance. I used to do different kinds of dance, like hip-hop classes and things, <laughs> which were really intense. Oh, and... But, yeah, I definitely have to find... It's... I have to. I have to sort of have like avenues to get to my sitting down and writing. Sometimes it, I go on little weird little journeys that take me away from writing for a while. Like you were saying with seasons, like I don't have the kind of discipline that someone like JK Rowling purports to have. She sort of said like, I have like, she, she do three hours of even, oh, my other favorite writer, Ursula. Oh, Ursula, Ursula Le Guin. The Dispossessed is one of the most fantastic books and she had this discipline where she would like sit down and do three hours or four hours and in the morning and I just I want to have that but it doesn't always work that way for me I kind of almost like go into a like a a trance and I will write for like three or four days in my dressing gown and be disgusting (laughs) goblin mode yeah goblin mode just like and I haven't brushed my teeth they're furry and it's just gross it's a mess and I don't I'm okay with that like it's so releasing to know that everyone just has such a different process and and just knowing like you don't have to be the kind of writer that like wakes up at 5am and works till I mean you can be and some people have to be of course but like I think like are you like what are your well do you have a regimen I don't really I'm still finding that I think but I'm also finding that balance because like yeah can be very all or nothing type Mm. of personality Especially when I feel that a lot of the time if I'm working, you know, run to the bathroom and write down things in my notepad because... Do you do that? Do you run to the bathroom? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I just like, I'm like, I need to write this down. 
but that might not happen to me as much when I just have a day off and I actually oh, have the time to write. It's a like, luxury of time. It's just, um, it's a strange thing to yield and I'm sort of trying to accept that obscure creative flow. Mm. I have this book of women writers, just mm-hmm. like all their um, interviews and it's just so enjoyable and these like amazing writers just sharing they all have such different processes and mm. um Susan Sontag would just like be very much like just write every single day mm. for two weeks straight and then not write at all for mm. four months but she was okay with that and I think it's the acceptance and not resisting that process and it's okay to just yeah have nothing to say sometimes that's probably for a reason yeah definitely I found this on the internet and it reminds me of this by Bell Hooks. I don't know what book this is from, but it's like this screenshot of this chapter about women artists and the creative process. She says, I'm a girl who dreams of leisure, always have. Reverie has always been necessary to my existence. I have needed long hours where I'm stretched out wearing silks, satins and cashmeres, just alone with myself embraced by the beauty around me. I've always been a girl for fibres, for textiles and for the feel of comfort in cloth against my skin. When I have adorned myself just so, I'm ready for the awesome task of just lingering, spending uninterrupted time with my thoughts, dreams and intense yearnings, often the kind that, like unrequited love, go unfulfilled. Lately, in the midst of that solitude, I find myself riding, spinning words together in my head so as not to lose or forget the insights the sharp moments of clarity that come during this quiet time, that surface amid the luxurious smells of expensive French lemon verbena soap and fruity perfume, a book in my hand. This episode of Crossings is supported in sponsorship by the Queen Victoria Women's Centre. The Queen Victoria Women's Centre is an iconic Melbourne landmark that supports women, cis, trans and non-binary people through creative experiences, community resources, and the power of connection. Queen Victoria Women's Centre hosts creative programming on-site, online, and around Victoria. They have venues available to hire, QVWC's shop, and provide office spaces to like-minded resident organisations. They are for women, by women, always. EWF is grateful for the support of the Queen Victoria Women's Centre. I feel very much like that with Belle. I'm very much into kimonos and lingering around my house in the light with playing with my cats and sleeping and I feel that. It's such a oh, the pleasure of just being sometimes instead of doing. Mm. Having to explain yourself and you, like, to other people. When you, where have you been for two days? And mm-hmm. I've been luxuriating in my house but I haven't done any, I have nothing to show just yet. It's it's a trust. It's it's a, like a really deep trust that the uni- like you're going to be held. The, it's, the universe has got your back. Like it's, I feel like that's part of the creative process for me. Like it's okay to be. It's okay not to have to do all the time. There's a great book about mm. that um, by Elizabeth Gilbert called Big Magic, mm. and she's talking a lot about that creative yield and learning to trust your whims and trust your intuition and. And therefore you're like trusting creativity and you're not resisting it yeah. when it comes and you're not 
forcing it either, but it's a hard balance. Like, you know, we don't all have the luxury of, of time and it's hard to find that balance. It's like giving birth. Like if you grip and hold and you're resisting and trying, because it's, you know, you've got something to birth. It's, it makes it harder on the body and you can't, but then it's like you let go in the body knows. I haven't written much in the last month or two because I've been in other realms that don't require or necessitate writing and that's the trust. I've just been in other realms, I've just been in... Because that's what I feel artists do. They weave threads and they, they have to dive into themselves. It's, it does seem hedonistic, but it is a dive back into the self only to discover that the self is not really what you thought it was but something else and then realize that you're absolutely having this experience that is completely different from everyone else and yet everyone else is having their experience and my job is to hint suggest leave breadcrumbs of the mystery but never name the mystery but when i tell my younger self I started writing when I was 16. I'd say don't get so serious about it. Don't go to these ridiculous extremes where you're just drinking. You think you're on this like bender. <laughs> you're drinking all night and you're writing on fool's cap. Like really like the whole, it was like a sort of sensory pleasure of writing. Like I'm writing all night and I'm smoking and drinking and I'm getting really into it. And then it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. For me it was like at that time it was like all or nothing. And I was like with writing and I wasn't worth anything if I wasn't creating Uh, It it felt like my purpose, but it also, I wasn't able to balance. I had no sense of balance. It was, and I still find it really hard to connect to people who aren't artists. And that's not me being, I'm not trying to sound, you know what, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to say it. I just have a much easier time connecting to artists. And artists are weird and that's, I'm okay with that. I actually don't even care if artists don't like me. I'm much more interested in the conversation and hearing, like, you know, it's like, I don't even need them to be my friends. It's nice if they are my friends. How do you feel about that? Is that something that you feel like you connect more to writers and creatives? Or you um, I mean, I grew up around a lot of people who are not necessarily artists or creative people. I grew up around a lot of just working, like a lot of workers, a lot of people that did not necessarily encourage what I'm doing. Mm. So I think I've found a different way of, I think I can connect to anybody, but... I definitely struggle, not to be such a Scorpio, but I definitely struggle to connect with people where I can't, yeah, see their heart. Mm. Like I can definitely connect and find something to really value and love about everybody. But after a while, if I don't see some heart, then it's like I just don't really know how to get further. And, yeah, that is that Scorpio (laughs) need for... Yeah, entirely depth, perhaps. Yeah, the depth. I just, I want, and not all artists are deep presenting, you know, saying like. But I totally understand that, like, it is difficult to connect with people who aren't connecting to themselves. Yeah, it's it's like they're connecting to themselves and they're throwing out these tentacles. I had this dream once in the realm, cats, I will give this secret away to any cat people, is that cats have these invisible tentacles. They're almost like those deep sea fish and that's how cats will sense if there's something in the room. And in this dream, it was revealed to me that, and I think humans are like that, like the Donnie Darko thing with the, how he's pushing this will, this silver. I think that's what I 
love about artists. They all seem to have it open. That's not to say I don't love people who are working at something that it doesn't have to be art. It could be a garden, you know, they're working in it. But I, Yeah, I truly believe everyone is creative in their own wacky way. It's a creative thing to be a human. It's so mm. weird what we're mm. doing here. What impels you to create? It's not pretty. Usually intense rumination about existence and impenetrable rage. <laughs> the good stuff. No, um, I think, yeah, what impels me to write is just, yeah, coming from that like deep place inside of myself that I need to write, otherwise I will get sick, I think. Mm. Oh, I need to express something. I need to like move this stagnant energy around. And sometimes that shows itself in different creative ways, mm. dancing, cooking, mm. playing music. But I think most of the time since I had a consciousness, it's always been poems, it's always been words. That's how I make sense of my spirits, how I make sense of myself. And yeah, I am usually motivated by deep rage from the past or, um, you know, like a lot of darkness, a lot of feelings I have about, you know, classism and injustice mm. and a lot of questions of self and the psyche that I can't and will never find answers to. And so I think like moving them around with words and is my purpose. It's how I understand myself. And yeah, like you were saying before, I think sometimes it can be difficult to try and allow not being productive as well because I think sometimes when you see yourself that way through that lens of this is my purpose, it can be hard not to be too hard on yourself when you feel like you don't have anything to say. Who am I if I can't write? And then it's such a beautiful thing to talk to other writers and be like, oh, this is just like this is the problem that mm. all writers have mm. is of questioning, questioning, questioning themselves. Um, and that's why all writers to me are so beautiful, mm. so beautiful and daggy. I just, because it's such a beautiful thing to just constantly question yourself, to be curious, not fearful, mm. not critical, but curious. And all artists that I admire are curious about the world, curious about others' stories, are curious about themselves. That's what makes me read, so that's what makes me write. Mm. What about you? What impels you to write? I feel like writing allows me not to be so worried about whether I'm in a, in a dream within a dream. It gives me like, um, weirdly, just sails to navigate through the dreaming. I feel like that's what impels me. I often turn to writing when I'm having a sense of disconnection. It comes from also injustice as well and what you were saying about places of anger and almost unfathomable anger and cruelty. I mean, I feel like I came from a strange place. I have little myths like, well, one of the stories when I was born and I was born in Pakistan and my mother is um, a white Aussie she went swimming in the river in Punjab and uh, she went swimming and these three women from the village were minding me and when she came back from her swim, I had been painted. My face was painted with like like coal around my eyes and 
symbols as a sort of, I don't know, I feel like it was my initiation as a baby. <laughs> Some sort of stranger, the chosen one. Oh, I don't know. That was, I always love that story because I don't have a very strong family network mm. traditionally. Maybe writing is already on me. Maybe it's actually the writing is already on me, in me, and I just, it's not even being created. It's like purging it out or having to just vomit it out. I don't want to say vomit, but you know, like, <laughs> vomit it out. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's already there. Maybe that's the feeling of like, if I don't write, I'll get sick or I'll get, yeah, that same feeling. I really, really feel that. I almost feel like my body goes into this, like, it almost like freezes if I haven't created for a while. Yeah. I almost like, I feel like I'm not in the flow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like feeling like you're holding onto writing. It's like feeling like you're holding like in resentment or something that hasn't been released. Yeah. And then the writing is the the punching the pillows. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about when how you came to reading and like what's your first memory of reading and and writing? I think my first memory of reading was when my school had a um talent competition and I thought my talent was to read Dr. Zeus really fast. It's <laughs> awesome. The tongue twisters. Oh my goodness. Did you get up on stage and do that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) But I think my first memories of writing is just being like in year two, grade two, and just there being like these right to win competitions at my primary school. And my brother was so naturally great at storytelling. Mm. And I just kept trying to beat him but he would always win best of the school and I would win best of the grade but I could never beat him. Wow. Wow. <laughs> my, my siblings are all funny little creative people. I don't say I'm little, I'm the youngest of four. But early memories of reading, maybe this is very telling of my age but I just remember obsessively reading Twilight. <laughs> uh, and, you know, just being like a angsty teenager reading catcher in the rye <laughs> yeah <laughs> just <laughs> what is your like earliest memory of reading or writing I used to pretend I could read like when I was really young like I remember like not reading but reading I also have mm, I had to learn to read Arabic as a child as part of like my background so it being a rebel at a very early age and asking all the wrong questions that meant that I left home very early, I was taught the Quran, so I had to learn Arabic. Now, because I feel I was born an artist, I thought it was a very beautiful looking language, curls and secret worlds and other realms. So I struggled learning Arabic as a kid. I'm going to tell you the truth. It was a very severe looking man teaching me, like at the school, like teaching me Arabic and I naturally want to be naughty all the time as a kid so I really struggled but I wanted so desperately to learn because I wanted to connect to my dad so Arabic was one language and then in terms of writing my earliest memory is being a vandal writing on not the inside of walls but on the outside of walls and graffitiing Mm. and like as a kid you know like thinking I could write language and I think it still is what I do now I a lot of my obsessiveness with like 
I don't know how to write Arabic so I've because I've lost the skill and I so now it's weird when I do art sometimes I write words that look like Arabic but they're also they don't look like Arabic they look it's weird hmm. I was just thinking about like how AIs are writing poetry now oh have you put your have you put your poetry into an AI thing yet no, and see what they come <gasps> I have do not it. but I was in an Uber in Sydney and Anyway, the Uber driver was asking me what I do and I was like, I write poetry and he's just like, well, I've read some really good poetry by AIs recently and I have to say, like, there's not much reason for poetry anymore, he said to wow. me. He's like, it's like, it's nice, but it's like horseback. Completely disagree. <laughs> and, and I was like, do you think that an AI could write like authentic human experiences? And he's like, yeah, they can write it like better than humans. Wow. And it's like... I'm sure, like, I'm sure they could, but, but it's I don't really care that they're mm. writing it well or, yeah. like, I mean, I can barely speak articulately. I don't think I have a really intense, amazing vocabulary myself. Isn't that delicious? Isn't that but just like, a nice point of difference, like, from AI, that you don't speak like a flowery, perfect robot? But this quote from Susan Sontag about language, she's like, it's not natural to speak well, eloquently, in an interesting, articulate way. People living in groups, families, communes, say little, have few verbal means. Eloquence, thinking in words, is a byproduct of solitude, deracination, a heightened painful individuality. In groups, it's more natural to sing, to dance, to pray, given rather than invented speech. What do you think? I think that I'm often confused by language and my place with it. I don't know what my identity is. I think most people are mixed ethnicities now. I'm mixed. I'm... Egyptian, Indian, Pakistani and Irish and all of those countries have been part of colonial takeovers. It's the, it's the English word that has taken over those countries. I mean, I don't talk a lot when I'm at home, responding to Son, Sontag, like I, in my family environment, in my little home, I'm mainly talking to my cats and my partner and I will just sit in the lounge room and read books like together like we're mm. reading a book and they're reading a book and I'm not talking to them so when we do talk it's almost like instructional I think you were saying that you and your partner are making music together mostly so what's that process because you do do that too um I'm gonna ask you um what's that process like with oh it's so good the process yeah especially mm. you were saying like I mean we're talking about words and music mm. coming from the same place mm. but then also that's why music is good because it's like you're expressing the language more mm. physically maybe. Yep, definitely um, physically. Mathematically. So with the music I do, it's, I just, I'm in awe of musicians. Like I don't, so I don't play, I'm instinctively musical. I can pick up an instrument and play it. I can play the drums, I can play any instrument and I have no musical training. So meeting Mick and he was a musician when I met him, we were both, I was doing poetry and performing and he was doing music and I just, it just was like, from the first moment of like meeting, we just started making music on old pianos we found in town halls when we were living in Brisbane. And we just like, you know, would go into a church when no one was there and play music. And then I just feel like it's so, I'm in awe of music. music. Like I just, I do, I really, it is something sexual and it's nothing to do with genitalia. It's just the actual life force that I just feel like comes through and music is like, the solution. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of, have you ever read Women Who Run With The Wolves? Yes, yeah. yes. I think she talks about like 
women thinking that they're sexually frustrated when really they're just, just creatively yes, frustrated. So tr- yes, absolutely. Yes, it's so true. I just, I really optimizing that, that sexual optimizing, energy. Yes. I just, you go into that zone of I can jam for four or five hours and I'm thirsty and I need to go to the toilet and my other needs aren't being met, but my creative need is being met. Is that how you feel or experience? Because you're making music. With yeah, your I, I don't really have like any training or anything, but I think like I've just done a bit of like just picking things mm. up and just curious, curious, yeah. dabbling. It's very yeah. fun. Um, it's a great way to take me out of my wordy brain because um, it's a different thing. It's communicating yeah. language through a different vessel. But I totally understand just like, you know, it's just constant alchemizing different energies inside of you. It's so magical to me, like that you can meet these people like, and you have music, you're doing this thing. It's, it's, it's music. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like this, yeah. don't you find, I yeah. find it's yeah, yeah. surreal. Crossings was produced by me, Jess Sinoni. It was co-produced and audio engineered by Sam Panifex. Our theme music is by Georgia Ferry, a.k.a. Baby G. The artwork for Crossings was designed by Tanika Page. Thank you to Henry Farnan, EWF's Marketing and Publicity Coordinator. Thank you to Misba and Rebecca for their conversation. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and join us again for next week's final episode between Daniel Ward and Kurt Eckhart. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating or review.